Hello, everyone. This is your host of the podcast, Grief Glasses, Dr. W. And for this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing my cousin, Ricky Jenkins. And I'm excited to talk with Ricky. He's an older cousin of mine, but someone I truly admire. And so, Ricky, I want to thank you for agreeing to come on the show and share your story about your grief walk. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Dr. W. I'm really happy to be here, actually. Very happy to have this opportunity to talk with you. Wonderful. So, Ricky, I'd like to start off by asking my guest a question, and that is, what comes to mind when you hear the term grief? Um, if I just respond to that question and, and describe what comes to mind without thinking too much about it, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me um, is sadness. Um, but I will also say that with sadness, when I think of grief right now, I also think of pain. Um, also think of, um, um, frankly, a sharp pain. But sadness and pain is what comes to mind for me. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully that will help frame our conversation with you thinking along those lines. So I'm interested and I'm sure my, my audience is interested in your story. So uh, let's get started and, and have you share with, with us your grief walk in. If you could kind of tell me a little bit about who your story will be about. Okay. Um, my story will be about my sisters. Um, I lost four of my sisters over a, I think, a little more than a year, about a 13-month period of time. I lost my sister, Pamela Ruth. Then I lost my sister, Rosemary, whom we call Tootie. Then I lost my sister, Barbara, a month after Tootie. Then I lost my little sister, the baby of the family, Risa, a few months after Barbara. And um, I come from, like a lot in our family, a um, large family. Um, we were raised in a very happy household. Um, I was more than close to all of my siblings. Um, losing Pam and when we lost her was unbearable. And then three more um, I lost after that. So that is, um, <laughs> that's my grief story, as it were. That, that's, that's what I still deal with every single day. Sure. So when you say that's what you deal with every single day, tell me about what those days feel like and look like for you on an emotional level. And uh, any other things in terms of feelings that that you can readily identify um, when you think about your sister. Certainly that's, um, that's a lot to, to unpack and to, to deal with. Um, what, what I think about every day, um, it's, it's, it's a, actually, it's a good question. Um, the simple answer is I think about each of them. Um, but, the more complex answer is I almost go through, 
I don't know if it's a cycle, um, but I go through thinking about them, realizing that they're gone, and then even just processing that, that they're gone, that they're not in my life. I can't pick up the phone and call them like I used to. Um, and then I, it, 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 will, it could easily cycle, actually could easily cycle to a point of real sadness, but I usually uh, try to cut it off um, before, so it doesn't cycle that way. And, and the reason I explain it like that is as adults, even when we've grown up in a large family, very close siblings, you, you, when we're little, we see them every day. They're part of your life all the time. You know, you, they're right there, easy access. And then as you grow up and you live your separate lives, you don't necessarily see them every day, but you know that they're still in your life. Like I said, I could call any of them at any time. They will call me anytime. And, and that was all right. But so when I'd get up in the morning and, and, and Pam wasn't in my house, that's all right. Risa wasn't in my house. That's okay. That's fine. I can call them. But when they're gone, they're gone physically. You're left with memories. <sighs> just it's difficult mm -hmm. yeah so you you mentioned memories and memories are something we all can cherish uh do you have some some special or favorite memories of each of your sisters that you uh, would you yes. know happy moments things okay. that make you smile and appreciate mm -hmm. those those times together uh, i i really do uh, appreciate that question too you know, honestly, I have more happy memories. The sad memories is they're leaving. But um, I like uh, it's a memory that I have with Pam, and I call her Ruthie, but I'll go back and forth between Pamela and Ruthie, mm -hmm. um, is, well, there's so many. But um, summer before I left to go to college, we had actually had two cars in the family, one car that my parents used another car that my father bought for all of us to share. So I had a summer job. Ruthie had a summer job. Mine started at like 6.30 in the morning. Her started later. Every day that summer, Ruthie would get up in her pajamas and would drive me to work. Yeah. It's, it's a happy memory, though. It's a happy memory. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it made an impression. It, it stuck with you. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Um, yeah. And that's the beauty of those memories, that you remember that and have that time together. Yep. Very special. Sure. At different ones with each of the sisters, um, like Barbara, <laughs> Judy, Risa, I, I'll, I'll tell you, if I may, just uh -huh. a memory with Risa, which is kind of interesting if I'll say this as a, it's a special memory. It's just Risa died of cancer. And she had a protracted fight against the disease. And what is difficult is Risa was diagnosed almost the same time that Pam was diagnosed with the disease that took her. So um, there was a time when we, you know, we started taking care of Pam and then Risa's cancer had advanced. And so she had to have a surgery and the surgery was six and a half hours long. So she needed somebody with her. So I flew up 
to stay with her in San Francisco. She lived in the Bay Area. And even though I was there for my little sister to have a cancer surgery and to recover from it, I moved into the hospital with her. And so we um, stayed together. I slept in her hospital room. And uh, without the backdrop of um, she being there for a cancer surgery, it was Ricky and Risa again. And we were the two youngest in the family. And when we were small, we were inseparable. We did everything together, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's nice. So yeah, and this week, that week, we just we were together again. It was, yeah. I was that was actually an odd, but it's a special memory. No, I I can understand that. You know, um, when you get to spend time with family, it's it's cherished moments, um, and they may not always be the easiest moments, but when you can put it in perspective to cherish it, uh, that certainly shows a lot of of perspective in terms of what I call about the grief walk. When I think when a person has time to really step away and reflect on what has happened in terms of their grief and their pain, I think you can begin to look at those memories and, and po- possibly identify some lessons and blessings. So when you talk about special moments and special memories, that to me sounds like a blessing. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you could kind of talk some about the lessons and the blessings of, of losing your sisters in, in such a short period of time. Uh, well, and I'm sure they all had special moments in, in your life, but share with me some of the lessons and blessings. Again, I think it's a really good question. Um, and I think it's an important question. And I, I absolutely agree with you that the time that I was able to spend with Risa in the hospital was absolutely a blessing um, because we talk about love as a as an emotion as a description of an emotion, you know, but but sometimes we can talk about love in an action sense, and I just feel like um, being with her at a time certainly when she needed me and I could be there for her. I felt like. You know, an actionable love step. So that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that um, as Pam, because her illness was protracted as well, um, there were a couple of times Barbara was still alive and Pam's twin, Angela, um, who lived in the Bay Area as well, came down. And there were times early in Pam's illness, we, we were certainly still hopeful. Um, we were all together. <laughs> All of us came together. Risa flew down. Uh, Barbara was there. Uh, Angela was there. And even Tootie would come by. And then we were all together. <laughs> and um, one, there was one time in particular, Angela, and I, Angela Renee, I call her Nay. And we were, we were just there you know, supporting Pam at the time. And she, Renee just walks in and says, oh, boy, we're all together again. It's just like when we were little. <laughs> 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 and... And it was, we all felt the same thing. We were happy to be together. And the, the, the reason we were together shrank, if you will, if it will. You know, it wasn't, the, it wasn't overriding that we were there because Pam was really ill. What was more powerful was that we were all together 
and we were happy to be together. Um, that was a blessing. That was a blessing. Kept having the opportunity to care for my sisters. Um, Barbara, we lost Barbara suddenly. She was gone a month after we found her in her home. But the others, I got to spend time with them. It was a difficult time, but I got to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that time? Uh, what What do you remember about that time? Did you... How did you chronicle the time and, and, and what did you cherish about the time? Because I think you can probably uh, attest to this, that time probably had a different meaning uh, at that particular point for you. It, it, it did have a different meaning. Um, I have to kind of break this down a little bit with Pam after we knew the severity of her illness, we agreed she could, we would never leave her alone because she, she had a very rare disease called cardiac amyloidosis, which is a, a, um, a, um, a protein that invades the heart and slowly destroys the heart. And it did slowly destroy her heart. But so Barbara and I at the time would take turns staying with her. Sometimes our cousin Dana would come and stay with her too. But, but the, the time with her, um, same, my relationship with her was different than it was with Risa, but it was still a time with my sister when we engaged in a way that we probably hadn't engaged with as adults. Again, going back to a time when we were little, we talked about things, um, that we remembered from our childhoods, um, that we enjoyed, we laughed a lot. Um, we would talk about, frankly, the other siblings and things like, we passed the time in a, in a productive way. Now, we also argue, I will tell you that too. Good <laughs> <laughs> old siblings, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and Pam and I could get into it. So we, and she was, if you, if you knew her, she was, she was, a, Pam was a, she liked things a certain way, and I learned that pretty quickly. Um, so, but the, your question was about how we passed the time, and we passed the time talking. and And I actually did do a little bit of of journaling, um, of my time with Pam in particular, because I took her to a lot of her doctor appointments. And after each doctor appointment, I would write down in detail what the doctor said and what Pam said and what happened. So I actually still have all of those those notes and I actually look back at them when I can from time to time. Um, That's great. That's great. I'm glad that you had the presence of mind to, to do that. Um, So it's, it's great to hear you, you share your different dynamics of relationship with each sister. Um, And I would like to think that, Perhaps you've seen a shift in your perspective as a result of dealing with each of those losses. And when you talk, when I talk about shift of perspective, I'm still kind of laying my hat on the, the lessons and the blessings. So what lessons did you learn from each one of those experiences of losing your sisters? Because I do think there's something to be learned uh, when we go through Difficult moments in life, difficult chapters often teach us something. Um, I may still be trying to learn the complete lessons or understand the complete lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I, and I do think that there's truth there that I'm still learning that. Um, but among the things I feel like that's emerging is dealing with grief and specifically the grief of losing not just a loved one, because we lose our parents and we come to expect that at some point we'll lose our parents. And that's a painful grief. Um, but you kind of know that that is far down the road of life anyway. So you can kind of a little bit prep for that, although that's not to dismiss the grief. But when you lose your siblings, I mean, I always thought that my older siblings would go first and then I would go and then Risa would be the last one. Now Risa's gone. So I think that part of the lessons are in learning one that grief does and will occur, that that loss will occur. And, and it's part of um, trying to give the lesson of, I want to say, how to manage the grief. Mm-hmm. Because I do have to manage the grief. And what I mean by that is I can't cry all the time. I can't cry every day. Um, I still have three adult sons. I have two grandchildren. I have Angela Renee, my other sister. We, we, we lean, I still have life to live, I guess, is, is part mm-hmm. of what that's saying. So it's, it's the lesson of trying to understand that grief occurs, loss occurs, and with loss comes grief. But you have to get to a point where you can manage it and still... I, I, be there for other people still in your life, I think. I think that's part of the lesson. I mean, I guess the lesson that's being given to me and that I'm still trying to master. I have not mastered it yet, though, Dr. W. I have not mastered it yet. Well, don't worry about mastering it. Uh, I don't know that I've mastered mine either, but I think the, the focal point there is that you're you're able to extrapolate that, that you're still evolving in, in what you're taking away from those moments and, and figuring out how to put it in right perspective as, as you go forward in life. And that within itself takes time, pain and, and healing. It's a journey. So be, be kind to yourself, uh, offer yourself grace, because uh, certainly we all need that. Uh, which this leads me to another portion that I, I really like to allow for my guests to share, because this the whole purpose behind this this podcast is for people not only to share their stories, but to help other people who may be dealing with grief, or perhaps they have not, but when their time comes, having something in place that they can turn to for support or help. And so what I mean by having something, I talk about a survival toolkit. And for each guest, I ask them, if you were to offer words of wisdom or anything that you think would be helpful for someone to place in their survival toolkit as they're dealing with grief, what would that something be? You ask important questions, I will say that. You ask helpful questions. I think um, what is important to have in a survival toolkit um, is quite 
clearly um, someone or some way, even if it's not someone to talk to or to, there has to be in your toolkit some way to express what you feel. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to express what you feel. You have to feel it. I answered your question early, earlier about grief, that grief is sadness and grief sometimes is pain. I believe that we have to have in our toolkit an ability to express the emotions attached with that and to feel what it is that you feel in an environment with someone or in a way that is safe. And I, I also want to say nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I can add just this little bit to it, I shared with you earlier, I went to um, a grief counseling after Pam passed and it wasn't helpful for me because, because it was actually, here's the qualifier. It wasn't helpful until I could talk with the others in the grief group and I heard them talk about their pain and I heard them, I felt them listen to me when I talk about mine. That part was helpful. That part actually was helpful, more than the structured lessons of the grief group. But when I heard other people talk about what it felt like when they lost someone who was dear to them, I, I could feel that and I could, I could understand that. And it was nurturing to me. So, and frankly, even talking to you right now, because I know that you know the pain of loss and that you're a family member and all candor, that um, you have to have that in your toolkit. You have to have someone, some way to express what you feel, um, certainly in a way that's unjudged, but where you just know that you can let those emotions run their course. That's what I think. That's great. That's that's really powerful. Uh, totally agree with you there, uh, expressing the moments of, of what you feel as you're feeling them and not being ashamed to do that. So that's good stuff. Uh, thank you for, for sharing that. Well, Ricky, I want to thank you sincerely uh, for agreeing to come on the show and share your story. Uh, I certainly learned a little bit more about you t- today <laughs> and um, I, I love you and I, really? I I really uh, hope that you continue your journey of healing and growth. And as I like to tell uh, my, my audience and my guest, um, never judge anything before it's time, in time and with perspective. Your pain and grief will take its proper place in your life. Thanks for listening. <laughs>